This podcast is sponsored by the Copywriter Underground. It's our new membership designed for you to help you attract more clients and hit 10K a month consistently. For more information or to sign up, go to thecopywriterunderground.com. What if you could hang out with seriously talented copywriters and other experts, ask them about their successes and failures, their work processes and their habits, then steal an idea or two to inspire your own work? That's what Kira and I do every week at the Copywriter Club podcast. You're invited to join the club for episode 143 as we chat with copywriter and brand strategist Lauren Hazel about building her business, what it means to hustle and how copywriters can do it better, why every copywriter should have an email list and what to send them, and what it's like to write for a celebrity like 50 Cent. Welcome. Hey, how you doing? What's up? Great. Great to have you here. And we want to kick this off. I feel like we should kick it off with 50 Cent and just give that away, but we're going to make people wait for that story. Ah, um, so let's let's start with your story. How did you end up as a copywriter? By accident. <laughs> Not intentional. <laughs> Me. Yeah. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Oh, so what happened? Oh, God. It's... I'm thinking about it. my birthday's coming up in a couple of days by the time we're doing this. So, oh, happy uh, birthday. Thank you. So, it's nine years, probably. Yeah, damn near nine. Yeah, nine years, almost 10 years here. Um, so, what I, I live in New York City and I had a tutoring business. So, I was trying to find a way to get, you know, more tutoring clients. And I was, at that point, I was using the either referral system. So, I would go to places that I had worked or knew what there were schools that I had volunteered at. And ask for, you know, anyone needs, you know, map tutoring, you know, I'm available. And then I was doing flyers because flyers actually still work for those who don't know. Flyers do work. And I was trying to make the flyer better. So I was um, in a group and I was like, hey, here's my flyer. I'm trying to, you know, I'm planning on posting this out, you know, in Soho or whatever and see if I can get some clients. And folks were like, you know, giving me hints. And then someone said, hey, you know, why don't you, you know, you should really look into copywriting because you'll then learn how to write a better flyer and stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, I know what copywriting is legally. <laughs> you know, but I was like, what is this copywriting thing? And so they started pointing me in the direction of um, some links. And then I got on some email lists. And then uh, I got into, well, some courses, the courses back then. And, uh, you know, learning how to write copy, you know, direct response copy so that I can actually write better ads or flyers for uh, my tutoring business at the time. So that's how I started. It was to get some kiddies <laughs> and some parents to trust me enough to hand me money in their child to teach them some math. <laughs> so tell us, uh, what were some of those resources that you used to, to you know, to, to get the skills when you were first starting out? Let's see. What was, I'm trying to think. Um, there is a program that's just still around called the Copy Hour. Um, I got into that. Somebody pointed me and said, hey, you need, why don't you do Copy Hour? Because at the time I was in I was in college at the time. So it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't doing anything. I was in college. I had, you know, um, working part time and, you know, doing that thing uh, for student loans purposes. So um, they said, well, Copy Hour will probably be good because it's not as time intensive. So I got into, I joined that. And which was a significant investment at the time because I am a college student with limited funds. Like my funds was going to paying for books because that because eventually it, I was I planned to go to law school. That's what the thing was. I was going to go to law school. So um, 
which is which is crazy when you think about what happened now. But you know that was the one of the plans I had. But that was at that time because it wasn't like a vid- like video courses and stuff like that that you know was abundant now. A lot of that stuff wasn't as abundant nine years ago. Like that, some of that stuff was just kind of coming because of the tech was an issue. If anyone remembers what it was like to attempt to have a video course and then try to upload it and you know go through all them tech issues, that stuff didn't exist. So now it's like there's so many easier ways to learn stuff. Back then, it wasn't as easy. It was quite difficult. So Copy Hour was an email delivered course. So that's what um, that's why I initially started on um, Copy Hour. So this is going back, you know, I think you've mentioned eight or nine years, but do you remember any of those changes that you made to your flyers after sitting through a couple of those trainings or reading through those emails? What changes did you make to the flyers to improve them? Oh, like a call to action would have been nice. I didn't know <laughs> like, listen, I, and it's funny because I come from a background where I've hustled and didn't, didn't done things, but in terms of writing an actual flyer to get a client for, you know, that type of service. And in New York, it should be abundant because New York is very, you know, big on education and things like that. So if you say you're a tutor, you could tutor French or stuff, you can usually get clients, you know, relatively easily. But at that time I was charging higher prices than what the normal was. Like if back, let's say nine years ago, let's say $10 an hour was like, let's say the average price of a, of a tutor. Uh, and these are, and these are tutors who are like New York city educators who are, you know, teachers, you know, certified, trusted people. And I'm like, I'm not a New York state teacher, um, but I'm going to charge you 50 to 60 bucks an hour. <laughs> you know, that was, yeah, that was pretty steep. I was making that kind of, um, you know, so when your flyer just can't be this, right. So actually having a call to action, like, Hey, call this number. Um, like the, the concept of putting a package together. Cause I didn't have that, you know, it was just like, okay, well, you know, Monday through Friday, these are our hours, but you know, the concept of, you know, packaging your offer to give people options, you know, having at least two or three packages and different pricing tiers. And now all that stuff, I would, you know, I learned, you know, looking at, you know, different sales letters and stuff, the way that program goes, but I didn't know any of that. So my flyer was basically, hi, my name is Lauren, you know, I tutor math, uh, pre-algebra and algebra. Um, if you're looking for a tutor, uh, my name is Lauren. Now that's pretty much what the flyer was. <laughs> <laughs> sold. Yeah, sold. That was it. That was it. Sold. So when I went through that and I started, I was like, oh, okay. So now I'm making the change and I understand a bit about why I'm making the changes and, you know, that I was making at the time. So how did you go from writing for yourself and, you know, your, your own tutoring business to writing for other clients? What did those first projects and clients look like? It was like a couple of years into it. I had my business built up. I turned the tutoring business because I was a, I follow like a remit safety and that's when you get, you know, earn one K. I got that program. Um, and I was going through that and I was like, you know what? Um, they started bringing like, you could sell courses. Like, remember this is still early course thing, you know, technology wise. So this is like, you know, not easy as it is, you know, teachable stuff today. So I was like, all right, how would I do this? And at that time there wasn't, it wasn't like on YouTube where everybody was uploading. There was no Khan Academy. Let's just say that there was, Khan Academy didn't exist. Okay. And so I'm pre Khan Academy. I'm like, how can I grow this bigger without all of my time? Because I'm still in college. I'm in college. I have other responsibilities outside of that. And I have this one-on-one tutoring thing, even though I'm charging a lot of money, you know, to do that. Cause I'm paying my way through school. So uh, what winds up happening is I heard, Oh, you could freelance and, you know, get more money. And I was like, well, that, 
that sounds doable. I'm, if I, I figured if I can get clients for my thing, I can do it for somebody else and, you know, get them clients, you know? So I figured, let me, let me take a dive and see what, what that was going to, how that was going to work. And at the time I, my major was in a business. So I was, uh, we had to do these projects where we actually work with businesses anyway. And one of my assignments was working with a business that was in uh, construction. So um, my first client kind of came by way of accidentally a school project. And I said, well, you know, if you change this, you could probably get more people to actually call you back. And they were like, okay. And, you know, it kind of like, well, how much would it charge for you to do it? I was like, okay, well, now I don't know nothing about nothing about what people's fees were or anything. So I'm like, okay, um, you know, $500 which was a hell of way below what I should have been charging, but I don't know anything. I'm just like, you know, someone's paying me $500 and I just got to write a few sentences. That's great. <laughs> not that, not thinking that this was for a, a, a construction roofing company that's charging 30 grand for a roof. Wow. Yeah. You know, but you live and you learn, but that was like my first real like freelance, you know, project. So then how did you build off of that once you're like, you work through that project, you realize you can do it, there's more money to be had. So where did you go from there to get more copywriting clients? Well, since I was already, you know, since I already had like a foothold a little bit, or at least I felt that way in terms of either I can continue doing it for education because I have enough ties in that, in that arena, um, or I can turn around and do more construction because I understand what that looks like. And so I kind of went both ways. I said, whatever way gets me the most of something that kicks off is what I'll probably focus on eventually. Because I still technically had the tutoring business, but I had my little makeshift courses and that was kind of selling itself, so to speak, um, because I built up uh, an accidental social media following um, on the uh, sort of the young adult author wise. So if anyone remembers Harry Potter, that group that was into Hunger Games Twilight. Um, I had that group of kids, so to speak. Um, so I was going to other tutors in New York City that I knew who would tutor other subjects, or I knew who tutored like the SATs because I didn't do any SAT tutoring. And in New York, high-end SAT tutors were charging like $150 an hour. They were charging, there was one who I think was charging like $600 an hour for tutoring. And he was like, he's always booked out for like two years or some craziness like that. So I got, I knew them because we hung out in the same circles because our, our, our clientele is relatively similar. Like they'll go to me and then they go to, eventually they're going to them and they had kind of built out their network. So I said, well, I can help you get more clients. Just let me redo some of your flyers to the school or whatever. And so I started working on their projects and I started, you know, getting like, I knew like every month I was going to write, have to rewrite a couple of flyers for a few of those companies. Um, so that's, I was getting money on that side. That's where the education side came on, but on the construction side, I actually went, I was like, that's when I really had to go and cold call and cold approach these companies. And, you know, and that's where you really, I really learned a whole lot of stuff about cold calling and, uh, <laughs> trying to get people on the phone <laughs> was through that way. But, uh, I managed to get a couple of, um, HVAC companies in New York city and also, and well, around the Boston area, because I went, actually looked up their websites and uh, got their phone numbers. And I did the most scariest thing in the world. I started cold calling these people. Now, I am not an outgoing person. I am very much an introvert. I'd rather be in my house with my phone off. So, <laughs> <laughs> so this was uh, an experience of all kinds of reactions. 
<laughs> let's just say, let's just say not so, not so nice ones. So yeah, let's talk about those calls. Like what, what was the pitch? How did you pitch your services? Oh man, I was, it was, it was horrible. <laughs> it was horrible. Remember, I don't know what I'm really doing. Like it's one thing in person, but you're like over the phone. I was like, okay, so I'm gonna call these people. Cause I remember, I think I was reading on some blog or whatever. Yeah. You know, cold calling, call these people, whatever. So I was like, all right, let me try this. So there's no script. I didn't have a really good script. So I was like, what am I going to say to these people? So that took a while to figure out. So I was like, okay, well, their websites were crap. <laughs> you know, most construction websites are not good. But I knew a couple of things based on, you know, when I worked with, with that first client was, you know, how they got leads. So sometimes they paid for like Google AdWords or a lot of them did a lot of print marketing, uh, which was, you know, still really big with them. And so I was like, their ads weren't very good. So they basically get a lead. They get a quote and 99% of the time they never follow up with the quotes. So there are people who never made a decision and they don't call them back. So I figure what if I wrote some emails or whatever for them so that the people who didn't get back to them, they can kind of be restarted in their campaign, so to speak, so they can close one of them. So I figured I was like, all right, let me talk to a couple. And so I think, oh, man, the first one was horrible. I still remember it. I think I got cursed out on that one. It was horrible. But I I, I called, I remember it like it's that bad. I'm like, oh, I'm trying not to remember it. But I called the guys and he's like, hello. Like, you know, it's like cordial. Hello, this is, you know, Bill from um, HRS Roofing. How can I help you? And I was like, oh, hi, Bill. My name is Lauren. Um, listen, I, I, I found your website and I'll, you know, you know, if you cha- did, you know, if you change this thing, you could probably get more calls. And he was like, well, who the f- is this? You know, it was like, <laughs> I'm telling you, it was horrible. Like, I don't know what I'm doing. So already my anxiety is already up. I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> Have you ever gotten yelled at on the phone that it felt like you were sitting in front of the person? <laughs> like, Not recently. Not recently. Definitely been a while, yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, that happened to me. And I was like, okay, this is, you know, (laughs) this ain't, I was like, this is, you know, it's not like, I was like, I was kind of shook because he was yelling. He was, he was pissed, you know, because I was like, because essentially I'm wasting his time. I was like, what? Like, what the hell is this? He's not, you know, he's a busy guy. He ain't worried about a damn website. He's worried about, you know, calls. I didn't know that. (laughs) So Lauren, what did you do to make the calls more effective? You know, after the first couple of disasters, what did you learn about cold calling to to be able to land clients? First thing is don't call people around lunchtime. <laughs> that that's probably that's a good a bad, yeah, that's probably a, a, a no no. <laughs> I learned that um, don't call people around lunchtime. And first, either well, what started to work is more in taking it from their standpoint and asking them more about them. So what I would, what I started and eventually learned how to do was like, instead of like, Hey, I noticed this thing on your website. They don't give a shit about that. What do they care about? They care about, you know, getting that next roofing client out of the, their leads. They want their phone to ring. So automatically if I'm calling them, they think I'm a lead. And so therefore I'm not a lead. So therefore they just want to hang up the phone. So I got to take it from their standpoint what can I say? Cause I got like 10 seconds <laughs> to figure out this, what to say that's going to, going to stop them. So what I would do first is I would inquire about exactly what they did. Like, do you just do roofing and what is that? What type of roofs and how much would that run? 
And I started asking them more industry-related questions. So when they started telling me that, I could segue into, oh, well, you know, if you, like, how many, or oh, how many quotes or calls do you actually get? You no, know, a week, how many have you done? They're like, well, I did 15 and maybe, you know, two have called back. So then I can segue, you know, well, what if there was a system that can get you three more calls back to actually close a deal? Would that be interesting? Would that make sense to you? And then the conversation changes. Like, yeah, if you can figure out how to do that, that's great. Cause I don't know what the hell to do. So when I started learning how to come more from their standpoint of what's bothering them versus what I wanted, which was basically another, you know, another client, then things got much better on the call side of things. So how many calls do you think you made during that time? Let's see. I was doing, I was doing about maybe at least in the beginning. Well, after I finished being like scared of getting yelled at and all that crap, um, (laughs) uh, I was doing like 20 calls a day. Oh, wow. So I was doing, yeah, I was doing about 20 calls a day, not minus Saturday and Sunday, but pretty much 20 calls a day. And then how would you say that grew your business? How did your business change through cold calling? Um, I got a, well, one, I learned a lot more about that industry and stuff that they cared about. And two, I actually got a bunch of, a lot of clients to the point where I probably, if I was smarter, I probably would have just gotten a couple more freelancers with me and we just would have started a company company <laughs> at that point. Um, but I don't know any better. I'm just doing this for extra money to, you know, my, I was very singular, like money pays for this and that's it type of I- ideal. Cause I'm not going to do this forever. You know, so it was a different mindset on my end, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I would have, I probably would, I probably should have done it that way. When I think about it, it's like one of those things that you go back and then you kick yourself in the head for not thinking of it because you had the opportunity (laughs) to actually do it. Good question. Something to think about anyway. So take us through the rest of your business narrative. How do, how do you go from there to where you are today? I was in that market and I said, okay, this is cool, but I got kind of tired of, you know, writing, you know, copy for, you know, roofing companies, <laughs> you know, it's not the most exciting industry, <laughs> you know, and then I start, because what happened is that usually I develop a personal relationship with those companies, you know, because a lot of them are family owned, they're not corporate, corporate companies, you know, the majority of them are not. So who's working at the company, the owner is like the uncle or the dad, and then it's grandpa. And then the people answering the phone is his wife and stuff like that. So you get to know people's families. And I was getting too much uh, hooked into someone's family drama. So I was like, nah, this, I, I, don't, I don't really want to, you know, <laughs> be involved in it. And that way, I just want to give you your emails and have this working and that's it. So um, I decided to, you know, let me get away from that sort of, sort of thing because I did like on the other end, you know, what I was doing at the education side, even though I was, you know, I sold that business, the tutoring business. Um, I sold that one, uh, which I should have sold it for much more because I got, I was still like tutoring, like live tutoring kids. So I got out of that because that was taking a lot of my time and I wanted to do something else. Cause I, I love being an entrepreneur. I love having businesses, but not that type of business that was that time intensive. So I let go of that particular market of HVAC and construction. And I was looking at, okay, who else can I, what other markets could I possibly write for if I'm going to do this? Because the goal of the freelance money at this point was to pay for a different business endeavor uh, and to pay for student loans. Those were the two. <laughs> those were the two main 
main factors. So I let go of the tutoring business. I let go of writing for like HVAC stuff. Um, that's when Facebook groups started picking up. So I was in a, like groups like Coffee with Dan and things like that. So um, I started running into a lot of fitness folks and started reaching out to them. And that's when I started writing a little bit of fitness copy here and there. And because my degree was finance, I figured finance would be a great place to write copy. So I started um, getting into looking for um, writing finance, financial copy for some for some companies. Uh, so I kind of pivoted from from those two things to a little bit of fitness and to and into also writing some finance copy emails and uh, eventually website copy and uh, call scripts. And is that where you are today? Are you working within the finance space today? Uh, no, I haven't written finance. Well, if you call, I haven't written finance directly in like maybe a couple of years, okay. um, so to speak. But like, you know, usually everyone's like, okay, you do Gora Financial. You write, I, for those guys, didn't write for them. I wound up writing for um, some startups <laughs> that are, a couple of them are still around, thank God. So, because um, I got more in that space. I live in New York City and the big startup scene was happening. And I always, I looked at him like, I live in New York. I want to be kind of a part of the scene. I want to be, you know, um, so I started looking at, you know, the companies in New York who, you know, who would hire me to write some copy. And so there were like some finance startups and I was like, well, I could, you know, do the email copy or I could do this. And that's where I initially um, started writing copy for those types of companies, which eventually led to me doing a couple of really big um, copy projects from some uh, much bigger companies. <laughs> and where does school play into it? Because at first, you know, you're sounds like you were earning money for to pay for school, pay for loans. And you mentioned law school, that you thought you were going to go to law school. So um, how does school play into this storyline in your business with copywriting? Yeah, well, I didn't, I went to, when I went to school, I got my uh, bachelor's degree and I went, I got into uh, business school and I was in business school at the time. So that's when I was like, okay, I'm gonna get my MBA and then I'm gonna go to law school because I wanted to work in intellectual property law. And so I was just doing, I was doing this, but as I was in business school, I kind of fell, I had a really good professor and we kind of fell in love with marketing. He was a consultant and he was like, well, I consult for these companies and this is what you do. And this is how you have to look at a business. So he would bring in live businesses and we would have to figure all that stuff out. So my major, well, my concentration when I was in business school was in finance and financial management. So all the stocks and bonds and all that other stuff. And also, uh, mar- and also marketing. So everything from brand to um, strategy and operations. So um, while I was writing copy, I understood where a copywriter fits in a company. Like you're the creative people. You do what we tell you to do. And, you know, and that's it. Cause that's how that world works. <laughs> if anybody wanted to know, if you haven't worked in an agency, that's pretty much how that world works in a nutshell. And so um, this consultant thing uh, that he kept bringing up, cause that's what he was, is how I tied it in. Cause what I discovered, unfortunately, is when you tell a company in New York or anywhere else that, Hey, I'm a copywriter. They don't know what the hell that is. so that became a problem of course right so i was like all right well let me call myself something else marketing consultant oh doors start to open a bit (laughs) 
Hey, we're just jumping into the show today to tell you a little bit more about the Copywriter Underground. Rob, what do you like best about this membership? So this membership community is full of copywriters that are investing in their businesses and taking what they do seriously. Everything is focused around three ideas, copywriting and getting better at the craft that we all do, marketing and getting in front of the right customers so that you can charge more and earn more, and also mindset so that you can get out of your head and focus on the things that will help you be successful at what we do. There's a private Facebook group for the members of the community, and we also send out a monthly newsletter that's full of advice, again, on those three areas, copywriting, marketing, and mindset, things that you can mark up and you know tear out, put them in your files, save them for whatever, and it's not going to get lost in your email inbox. Carol, what do you like about the Copywriter Underground? So I, I love the monthly hot seat calls where our members have a chance to sit in the hot seat and ask a big question or get ideas or talk through a challenge in their business because we all learn from those, those situations. And then I also feel like the templates we include in the membership are valuable because who wants to reinvent the wheel? And Rob and I end up sharing a lot of the templates and resources we use in our own businesses. So I would definitely want to grab those. So if you are interested in joining a community of copywriters that are investing in their business and in themselves and trying to do more, get more clients, earn more money consistently, go to thecopywriterunderground.com to learn more. Now back to the program. So as a marketing consultant then today, what does your business look like? What kind of clients do you work on or for? What kind of packages do you sell? I know you've got an email list and you sell things to your own list. So tell us about your business today. So as a uh, marketing consultant, I work to I work with Midside to large companies um, right now in a, di- in a couple of different niches. I also have a couple of other businesses like uh, my little love uh, interest business, um, so to speak, as I like to call it called Black Nerd Swag, and that's all about nerdum and for a very specific niche um, that I have working on. So like comic books, Game of Thrones, all that kind of good stuff, that's its own separate thing. Um, I have my little marketing agency where I deal with, you know, clients have to have a minimum, a gross revenue minimum of, of $5 million a year plus uh, for them to be a possible client with us. Um, and that's all about uh, lead generation from uh, traffic, building, basically building uh, lead generation funnels for them. And while um, my my other thing with the emails comes in place is, is storyxbrandxstrategist.com. That's where I do a lot of my teaching. So people on that email list, I, I teach a lot because I still love to teach. I just don't love to teach math. <laughs> but I can teach people how to write stories, teach people, you know, the things I've learned over the years. Um, as a copywriter, as a marketer, having to figure things out from brand stuff that I think sometimes we're in direct response lane. We don't talk enough about branding and that's a really big deal right now. Um, if you haven't been paying attention, if all you copywriters out there, sometimes you'll have a, a potential for a really, for a project, but they'll tell you a lot about, we want to make sure it's on brand and you have to kind of understand what they mean by that or have the intelligence to ask questions about what they mean or they want you to help them figure out what their brand is and if you could do that you can open the doors to some opportunities out there but in direct response and internet marketing we focus a lot on the conversion which we all we should but you know i know a lot of companies that went out of business who are making great revenue because they didn't have a brand and another company had a brand and they had a lot of funding and able were able to actually squeeze out their competition so you know, that's a little bit important, very much important now with um, social media. 
So can you talk about the marketing agency and what your team looks like if you have a team um, or just like how much time you're spending on that compared to your other businesses? For the marketing agency, I, it's me and a couple of people who I have, I outsource projects to. And it's between, sometimes it's just strategy. Sometimes the company, what happens is like a, a split between a training or we do it for you, right? So we have companies that I go into now and hey, they want me to teach them how to, you know, how to use story more in email or how to, or teach their team how to, how to write. And so I'll go in, I'll be the consultant and we'll, I'll have a you know workshop for them or what I like to call pop content copy, which is in integrating pop culture elements into, into different types of copy. So brand related copy into, you know, that marketing copy. Um, and, and doing that. So that's one part of it. The other part is actually we do it for them. So building out their lead generation, you know, whatever um, traffic sources they're using, such as like, I, cause I know how to run traffic. So Facebook or, or Google into, okay, they hit the landing page into, you know, email or messaging follow-up. So we can either do it for them or most of the time we do, uh, I do a lot of trainings nowadays since that became a big thing. And how do you attract your clients today? I assume you're not still cold calling people uh, on the phone. Oh no, we are not. We are, we are done. Yeah. Ask them if you were still cold calling. <laughs> oh yeah, great. Cold calling for 10 years. Oh no, I, said, I usually don't call, call people. It's like we, it's not a cold call anymore because I, what I decided to do is I'm still very much an introvert. That stuff is tiring. <laughs> okay, it's tiring. You know, once I'm in the rhythm is one thing, but I'm like, it's, it's tiring. It's very exhausting. So uh, what I do is I do cold emailing to get to the phone call. I do, I go, to, I network at uh, the right type of events and I work my magic there because even though, you know, you, you develop certain skills over the years with different things. So I, those are the main ways to get my clients besides now starting to be more of a referral system <laughs> is coming in. Like people who have worked with me like, Hey, I thought about you with this. Can your company do this? You know, type of stuff. But most of my clients come from a cold email process to, you know, start the conversation um, to uh, me meeting like the executive heads or the CEO or CMO at some type of uh, event or talk. Okay. So can you talk more about the training that you offer? And um, because recently I've chatted with a couple of copywriters who want to get into that, but they aren't quite sure how to package it or how to introduce it to clients. Um, can you just describe what that looks like and how you break that down for clients? Well, I live in New York City, so maybe it's a little, I'll, I'll, I'll give a little bit of context. So New York City has a lot of marketing agencies and a lot of companies who they have their uh, office here or a home base. And so what winds up happening is they tend to hire a lot of freelancers, but they also have the in-house marketing team and they may not want to hire an agency because when you say you're an agency in New York, people assume that you're charging like six or $12 million. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is like, as soon as I say New York, they're like, Oh no, we can't afford you. I'm like, I'm not charging you $20 million to do a campaign. I'm not over me. Right? This is not what we're doing here. But that's the assumption when you say your company is based in New York City. That's just a big assumption. So what I will lead in was, hey, we I can go in and train your, you know, your marketing team or whoever your content team is on how to write content that converts, right? Because what's the issue with the content? Like it, because uh, the life cycle of content with companies can vary. Because what they'll do is they'll SEO something to death, so all the black links but it doesn't actually get them phone calls. You know, it doesn't do the thing that they need. And they're trying to get more users, you know, get more clients or customers, depending what, you know, 
specific industry what they're looking for, right? So what I started doing is I would pick an industry. So we're in startup land to a certain extent in New York City. And I know that they're trying to sell a SaaS product, whatever the hell that thing is, right? And they do a lot of their content marketing. So I would ask, well, what is the other ways in which they get, you know, their clients? Well, you know, a lot of it is they have a, a sales team. And I was like, well, what's the point of the content marketing team? Well, we're trying to use the content to educate them and get more people to the sales team. I was like, great, but how's the content going? Well, it's not going very well. It doesn't seem like it's converting or which 99% of the time it doesn't, or they don't know how, how to write or what to write for content. So what I would do with them is like, look, I'm willing to come in. We have a training, we have a training session that's coming up in, I don't know, June 15th, if you'd like. I, we can do a special training session for your marketing slash sales team and how to write the kind of content that will get you more calls or opt-ins or whatever. Um, because a lot of times companies are very much willing to spend money to train their teams. Like it's a big, big business. <laughs> so when I position it that way, because Sometimes they think I'm more expensive than I actually am <laughs> with, with the company, but they're willing to spend a lot of money to have a workshop. It's like, oh, great. You could train my social media person. I'll have the content person. I'll have whoever is the liaison between marketing and sales in the room. So it might be as small as five people. It might be as big as, you know, 20 people. It just depends on the size of the, of the company. And I would start, I started when I first started doing, it, I was like, okay, what would that look like? So let me charge a thousand dollars to see if I can get someone to bite, you know? Um, that's what I first started doing. I would have like a two-hour session and I would break it down specifically what I'm going to teach. So if it's content marketing, there's a lot of different types of content marketing. Am I talking about more the theoretical strategy of it? Am I talking more about the writing itself? Like someone might be really good at video content so they can go into a company and train them specifically on video. Like I wouldn't do video because that's not my expertise lane, but when it comes to writing or strategy of how something needs to be kind of storyboarded out or how you can write it in calls to action, I can talk a lot about that. So if, I don't know what folks you spoke to, but if they're copywriters and let's say their thing is, I don't know, I don't know, content marketing or email marketing or, you know, ads specifically, say Facebook ads, and they were going into a company's team and they're going to train them on how to actually write the creative for the Facebook ads. Um, I would just say, um, say it, say what it is, say it's Facebook. These are Facebook ads. You know, this is a training on how to write Facebook ads that convert, right. Or whatever it is. And of course, if their targeting is right, they'll get a company most likely to say yes. And, you know, if you're getting your foot in the door, I say at least a, a thousand or $2,000 for a session isn't unheard of because I've heard of folks on my end of things since I started doing it charging like $10,000. Yeah. And, and when you start <laughs> so, off with a couple of hours, you think it's best maybe just two hours for like $2,000 and then maybe work your way up to a full day or how, what's the best way to start? Um, when I first did it, because um, as introvert, my, my, my energy goes low, so I don't know what to expect. Right. And I'm a person who's I've planned, like I used to do lesson plans and stuff for the tutoring thing. So I have a little bit of a heads up because sometimes when you first do it, you're like, hmm, you know, this doesn't work really well. So you need to rearrange it or what I like to do. And this will be a good, you know, for anybody listening, if you're going to do this, um, make sure while people are there, have a survey. What people make the mistake of doing is they don't think of doing a survey 
Or what they'll do is, is they'll send everybody an email for a survey and not get enough responses. So I actually like to have a physical survey there. And at the end of the session, I will make everybody do it. <laughs> that way I get everybody's feedback and then I can modify what I need to need to modify. But I suggest a one hour, a minimum of a one hour to two hour kind of uh, workshop first, because you're testing out the words, especially if you're not used to teaching and you've never done it before. So pick one subgroup of whatever the hell you're talking about. So if it's email deliverability, if you know something about that, just give a two hour workshop or a one hour workshop on email deliverability. Or if it's how to write subject lines, um, you know, that do whatever, then just talk an hour, have an hour workshop on that and, you know, in-person workshop on that. That's what I would suggest. And then as you can get the feedback and what you become comfortable with and more confident with, you can modify all your offerings eventually. And that's what I've been doing, like, like stepwise, like, okay, this works, this doesn't work. And then I up my prices um, as I go along. Let's talk a little bit more about how you pitch this to companies too. And, you know, how do, how do they find you or how do you find them? Who are you talking to at the company in order to get them to buy your workshop? I go to them. Um, a lot of times I will have in mind a specific industry or uh, a companies that I would like to do something for. And what I would do is I would start because my, my, let's say I wanted to do content marketing and there's maybe 10 companies that I really like for whatever reason. I like their product. They're in New York. I know, I know that they're in New York. So therefore their marketing teams in New York so we can make this work. What I would do is I would start kind of stalking the company. I would really, I would see if there was any events. I would see if someone at the company was speaking at something that's uh, close to me. If they had podcast interviews, I would listen to them. And because a lot of times people will talk about what their struggles are, their issues are, or, you know, whatever it's going on. And once I got a little bit of information, I would start to say, all right, I'm going to sell content marketing workshop. It's going to be an hour and we're going to talk about how to generate ideas or, or whatever the hell. I, because of the information I gathered, AKA you guys are copywriters, AKA we're supposed to do research, you know, that wonderful R word. Um, <laughs> that's what I do. I try to, cause what I do when I start to write a letter or an email or, or anything, I want to make it very specific to them. So that is not just a broad based thing. So what I would start doing is, and it takes a little bit of time, you know, but it, it does pay off. If someone's paying you a thousand dollars to talk for an hour and then you get to go home, that's, that, I think that's worth it. You know, I think it's worth it if that's what you're starting out with, right? So what I would do is, actually, I did it on my website. I, there, was a, there used to be a, com, a, a, a company called Comic Book Bento. I wanted to do some work for them. Um, they no longer exist, but that's okay. <laughs> but I actually followed them. I understood their model. I bought their product. And I knew how it worked and I knew what was lacking. I wrote a whole blog article about them. And in my case, I put it on my website. I put it on LinkedIn because I'm very active on LinkedIn. I had it on Twitter. Um, I tweeted about it a few times. Um, I tagged them in the tweets and I tagged them on LinkedIn. I turned around. I put a little bit of traffic to it. You know, I put maybe $10 worth of traffic to it on Facebook, you know, to make it sure that, you know, it's, it's been seen. It's out there. So that when I actually directly message them, now, this is who you go after. Depending the size of the company, I like to go after the CEO and I like to go after the CMO because we're in the marketing side, right? Because the worst case scenario, the CEO will say, yes, I'm going to forward you to my marketing director, right? 
or my or my or CMO or whoever. So I like to go to the two people, the two main people in charge. And 99% of the time, that is the CEO, if you can get to them, or the CMO. Those are the two people you want to want to get to because they're on a marketing side, that's everybody's boss. On a CEO, that's everybody's boss throughout the company, right? So I like to go after those two people because what usually happens is if they like it enough and they want it, they will forward you to who's the person to set things up. You know, so that's what you that's what you do. So anyone doing this, send the email to the CEO and the CMO of the company because they will forward you if they like what you're pitching, if they like what you're talking about to the people to schedule stuff. Okay. All right. So you mentioned selling strategy or you didn't mention selling it, but that in your marketing agency, you do a lot of strategy work too. How do you sell or package your strategy work? So when it comes to strategy work, so this is not me doing workshops. It's just me. Hey, this is the ideas I have for whatever campaign, or this is how you would generally approach um, something from a brand to uh, now we need sales kind of side sort of stuff. Um, what I would usually do, that's straight me, uh, cold email. Well, usually I've met the person at this stage of the game. I've met them and I say, well, I do this in terms of, you know, these are a couple of ideas I had. So I come to the, I come to the table with, hey, listen, I have a couple of ideas. I see you're doing this. What if, and you're trying to reach who, whoever demographic. I have a couple of ideas that might work for you if done in a particular way about this. So you're interested in having a conversation. And what I do is I usually charge, that's more of an hourly thing when it comes to strategy. If I'm not doing any work, no work is being done in terms of writing copy, doing traffic, any of that. I will, I charge them sort of hourly on the first side of things. And then it's retainer if we're going to actually, we're going to actually do it. So I charge them for the strategy session. <laughs> that's the hourly thing. And if they say, okay, I want you to be on retainer, then it's a retainer from, you know, then on. Lauren, what would you say is the thing that you've done in your business that's made the biggest difference? Oh, see, uh, the thing I've done, I've separated things out. I didn't, I used to have everything kind of bunched together, <laughs> which is, which is like, you know, in the beginning it was like, okay, you know, trying to figure out what I'm, what I would like to do or maybe focus on. Um, but when I started separating things out, it made things a little bit more clearer because you get the package stuff. So when I, and I like teaching and I teach my little uh, group at, you know, at my website, but I wanted to teach folks who worked at these companies, especially the companies that I like for whatever reason. So when I started doing workshops, that became its own thing under the agency. It's, you know, workshops. I go and train you because I want to do speaking gigs and that kind of cool stuff and then do it for you. That becomes its own separate thing. And then if it's just strategy, that becomes its own separate thing. So when I started getting really clear on what my offers were and um, that, that they were their own separate thing, it made, it makes things a lot easier because there are just certain companies where I don't want to do, I don't want to have nothing to do with their execution of anything because the comp- bigger companies mean bigger problems. Like if you're doing something for like Coca-Cola, you're going to do a lot. It's going to be, it's just, it's just so much back and forth. It's so much red tape um, that it's like, you know what? I just rather be on retainer for strategy. You know, that's easier than, okay, we have to actually attempt to implement it because you'll do something. They'll say no, but they're still paying you while you're doing it. You're still under contract with these folks. Cause we have, a, we, I do uh, annual contracts. 
So it's not month to month, it's annual. So you you know, they they pay you up front, you're there for the year. <laughs> you know? So um once I started doing that and made things a lot a lot easier, especially when I started getting some opportunities to work with uh much bigger brand companies. Um I had to do that because it was getting uh, uh too messy. So you're charging for the year for a retainer, is that right? For like a strategy retainer. Yeah, for a retainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So strategy retainer, that's a year. So it's initially, I charge for my hour for the initial strategy okay. session. Hey, if you want me to oversee it, this is the retainer for the entire year. They say yes or no, we go on. Uh, when it comes to done for you stuff, um, that's also annual. Okay. So can, do you have any advice about pricing the retainer strategy work that you do for somebody who's moving into more of a strategy role and wants to approach it? in that way? Like, how should they think about how to price it? This is the thing. It depends on how big the company is. If you're going after mom and pop shots, good luck to you. God bless you. <laughs> you know, uh, and I love mom and pop companies, but you know, they, they just don't make usually the best clients. If you're going after mid-sized businesses, like the smallest business I will work with on that side is, is a $5 million a year business. So what I, a uh, plus business. So what I tend to do is I look for other competition in my space and I see what their pricing strategy or structure is. Because a lot of times you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can modify what's being done. So if I see, okay, the way I think about this, if it's a $5 million a year company, they have a percentage of their budget that they should be spending on any marketing, whatever. So if that's, you know, anywhere up to 5% of their initial budget, then you have an idea that um, I always look at more of the value I'm bringing. What is the end result if they do what I say versus, you know, me just be talking to them for an hour or a couple of hours a month sort of thing. Cause if they're doing like, if I'm working with a company that's a $20 million company and they're spent, they're already spending, you know, two or $3 million on the campaign, you know, they're already spending that in ads. So if I'm coming with a strategy session, then I'm looking at it. What was the result of that? They're looking to bring in another gross profit of probably, you know, nine plus million dollars. So if my strategy works and they make nine plus million dollars, you know, then it doesn't make sense for me to be charging $500 an hour. <laughs> you know, I'm bringing too much value to the table. And also you can get laughed out the room if you tell somebody, you know, your prices are too low. And that's, that's the biggest danger. You are better off saying a larger number and, you know, and working that out than saying a smaller number because you're scared and getting laughed at the room because it's not because the number is too high. It's just they don't believe you. Like people in the business side, especially with larger companies, if you're not charging them, you know, 40 grand a year, you know, the price of them hiring somebody, then they'll laugh you out the room a lot of the times, you know, and that's just the reality situation. So, the way I kind of think about it, just for a baseline of someone starting out to strategy, let's say it's a five million plus dollar company. Most of them will waste at least fifty grand on some on some ads for one campaign at a small campaign. So I'm like, okay, so for a year, it's gonna be fifty grand or it's gonna be forty-five. I like I like to like hold it to a, a salary sort of thing. So when I had the conversation, I'm like, okay, it's like, you know, what's, what's the price? All right, great. It's 45, you know, sign here. Um, because if there's any objections to it, I can say, well, guess what? Well, that secretary over there, you're paying her 50 grand and she just, she answers the phone to that, you know, 
to get an entire marketing team, it's going to cost you $150,000. And that's not even including the benefits that you have to pay. So three times that by benefits. So for 50 grand, you're getting, you're getting two out of three or an entire marketing team. And that tends to work. <laughs> so Lauren, I know we're going to run out of time, but you know, listening to you talk about this stuff, it sounds like you've got a lot of stuff figured out and you're doing a lot of stuff right. What are some of the mistakes that you've made that you can help us avoid if we want to work with the same kinds of clients or if we want to do workshops, those kinds of things? Which you got, what mistakes I made is like, you know, you take a no forever. Because <laughs> sometimes people will tell you no, and you kind of take that to heart, and then you take it, okay, well, they'll never work with me. And that's usually not, that's not the case. I've learned that in making mistakes and as I've gone through this in, you know, in my consultancy, you know, on the business, that sometimes someone saying no this month doesn't mean that three months from now, six months from now is that they will say no again. And that people change positions a lot. So sometimes you'll talk to people and you caught them on a the day they found out they're getting fired. So everything you send them is no. And if you wait a little bit, you try it again, you might actually get a yes. It's just that the company was not going through a good time. You know, they're restructuring acquisitions or a merger or, you know, there's some internal politics, you know, someone's leaving. And so they're trying to figure out what to do. So they don't want to spend on anybody they don't know outside until they have it figured out. So taking a no or a negative in person or in an email and thinking you can never contact that company again, I've had to learn that lesson. And so if anybody out there is in a position where, hey, I emailed this company and they told me no. Just hold like air market for like three to six months and try it again. Something might have changed. They might have gotten more funding. They might have made more money. You know, they might have a different direction now. And you could be a part of that. Just, you know, just just do it like a check in. It's like, hey, you know, we talked a few months ago and I just want to check in. Is everything still good? If not, you know, can we have this conversation again? And you might actually get a yes. So, um, you know, don't take the no as in uh, it, it's you personally and forever. Yeah, that's great advice. And I know I have so many more questions for you, but again, we're we're out of time. So we do want to find out about what it's like to write for a celebrity. Um, so can you just share a little bit about what it was like to work with 50 Cent? Oh, it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> this was fun. The be- like, so when I was writing, like this is 50.com when he first put up that website. This was like over nine years, about a little over nine years ago. Um, I was in college. We started, you know, had an account on there. I started writing for them and, um, I became friendly with some people who were doing some writing and kind of work with them. So, um, I, that's how I kind of got in because I was posting content there. We were, you know, mixtape game was big in New York city and I was all into, you know, gene unit and a, and a million and a thousand beefs that they get into and, you know, whose stuff is hot and not. So I got, you know, you know, that's part of my culture. I'm already in it, but it's now it's a platform on this on this on this on this webpage or or blog or whatever. And I was writing that content. So when he was beefing with Rick Ross, I was there for all of that. Or when it was Terror Squad and Fat Joe and and you know, all that other stuff was there. Cause you know, 50s from from Queens, New York. And I was I remember when he first came out, shot nine times. So it was like it, it for me it was as as someone who is a young fan, um of the whole thing of beef and hip hop and all that, it was fun to get the opportunity to, Hey, you know, keep posting this, keep posting this. This is really good. You know? So it was, it was really like, I enjoyed it. It was like, it's a dream for some people. Hey, I get to write for my favorite celebrity. And it was like, it just kind of happened. 
because no one knew what they were doing. It's just like, let's try this and let's just have it. That's cool. That's really cool. So before we let you go, Lauren, you mentioned that you're an introvert and I believe you also have a program that you've designed for introverts. Tell us just a little bit about that. Right. It's called Cold to Sold. So in this conversation, I've talked about that one or two major ways to get my clients is either cold emailing or I'm meeting them at different events. And I don't know about you but or your audience, but in my case, I'll some of the copywriters I've happened to, sp- you know, speak to some of the A-listers that, you know, I've had the pleasure of talking to, you know, they're like, oh, well, I go to events and, you know, and I've, I get these connections and I get these people and they become my clients. Well, that's all sounds well and good. But when you're an introvert and you're shy and you're and you know, you have maybe you suffer from anxiety or you're very much a nerd nerd and you're in an unfamiliar place and you don't know anybody and you're around people who might intimidate you because you heard they did all these things. It's kind of hard to socialize. You know, it's kind of hard to figure out how you make this thing work, especially since you're there with a need base to actually get some clients. So over the years, I've kind of developed my own system of how I approach it. And that's how I've gotten some really cool opportunities to actually work with some companies that probably would have never happened had I not gone to that event, had I not spoken to them and, you know, in a particular way and, and gotten them sort of in my funnel and pursued them. So what I what a friend of mine told me to, to do, she said, Lauren, you know, you have to put this in the course because people need this. Cause to me, I'm not thinking, eh, nah, you know, why? Like, you know, I'm just doing this. This is how I, this is what I've learned over the years. This is what I do. So she finally convinced me after seeing me uh, in a comic book store in New York city, pretty much um, sell the owner into uh, let me control all his Facebook ads. <laughs> like I, we we met for like first time I met him it was less than five minutes and she like turned like she and like her thing is all sales and branding she turned to me with her mouth open she's like that's the smoothest shit I ever seen <laughs> it's like so I finally decided to put it into a program where I show other folks who are kind of like me in some way who also want clients they want really good leads so this is what I call my cold dissolve system. So that is the name of the program. So if anybody is um, interested in that, I will be launching that uh, again, relatively probably shortly again. Um, what you have to do is be on my email list because that's how I sell my stuff as a direct response to somebody. Um, you're going to go to my website, storyxbrandxstrategist.com. Get into the email list and stay on the email list because I will be opening, I open it up and then you get an opportunity to join and kind of learn my system and, you know, go out there and get you uh, some clients much more easily and less anxiety driven. I teach people how to find the right events for them, what to say, uh, what to do when your anxiety, when your anxiety is levels are high, (laughs) you know, and you're about two seconds from running out the room. You know, I go through all that with with the folks there as well as, um, you know, helping them kind of get that singular offer uh, eventually and talking to people. And I talk about the follow up. I call it my lazy follow up system because I don't know about you. Sometimes we all lazy about that follow up, you know, them calls we should have made. We never make or them emails we should have sent. We never send. And it's six months later and the person actually wanted to pay us and we screw up. So I have a lazy follow-up system that actually is attached to cold to sold and I show people how to actually hook it up and automate it. Sounds like you're eliminating awkwardness 
introvert by introvert with this program. Sounds awesome. So thank you so much, Lauren, for jumping in here with us today and sharing so much. I know there's so much more you could share, so we'll have to bring you back and have another conversation too. So thank you. You've been listening to the Copywriter Club podcast with Kira Hug and Rob Marsh. Music for the show is a clip from Gravity by Whitest Boy Alive, available in iTunes. If you like what you've heard, you can help us spread the word by subscribing in iTunes and by leaving a review. For show notes, a full transcript, and links to our free Facebook community, visit thecopywriterclub.com. We'll see you next episode. Thank you.